Hey, it's Sarah, and I've got an extra special announcement before today's podcast. For the first time ever, we're doing a That's What She Said podcast with a live audience. Now, unfortunately, no cool venue, drinks, t-shirt giveaways, all the good stuff we had hoped for. It is still, unfortunately, the middle of a pandemic. So I'm doing it from my house, but you still get to join for a live podcast recording. So save the date for next Thursday, October 1st, when we'll have That's What She Said Live presented by Coors Light in front of a virtual audience. This Thursday, I'm going to share all over my social media, maybe a quick emergency pod too, how to register, who my special guests will be, all those details, timing, etc. But in the meantime, just mark your calendars, prep your questions and dilemmas too, because you can submit them with your registration and you can participate in our Q&A with uh, me and my guests. Registration is free, but space will be limited. So don't forget to listen and download That's What She Said, Follow me at Sarah Spain on Twitter, at Spain2323 on Insta. Check out all those things on Thursday, this Thursday, to grab your seat for That's What She Said Live, presented by Coors Light on October 1st. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. Well, that's what she said. Welcome to That's What She Said, conversations with interesting people from the world of sports, music, comedy, and more talking about their lives, careers, successes, and failures. My guests this week are ESPN's Mina Kimes, Mike Golick Jr., L. Duncan, Diana Rossini, and former ESPNer, now with Fox Sports, Adam Amin. I gathered all these faves together, all previous guests on That's What She Said, to talk about the preparation that they do for their jobs as radio, sports center hosts, reporters, play-by-play analysts. Uh, I just really liked hearing the work that they put in, the websites, shows, analysts that they consume for the best info, some of the tricks that I can steal and you can steal to be better informed about all the sports you love. Uh, I really hope you guys enjoy the behind the scenes look at the jobs as much as I enjoyed talking to them about them. Uh, Some of the best folks out there doing this, and I really want to thank them for giving some of their very, very valuable time. We'll start with Mina, Mike, and Elle. That's what she said. I am so excited to have these fun people on the podcast today. They're all returning champions. They've all been here and I've oprah them and attempted to make them cry and or reminisce about the most awkward moments of their life leading up to their great successes. And now they're back and to a man and woman, each of them has some brand new tremendous uh, resume accomplishments that they've added on. Uh, let's start there with updating on everyone's uh, new addition since the last time you were on the show. Gojo, totally new vibes since you were on a while back. Yeah, I, uh, I sleep in now like a normal person, <laughs> which basically just means I drink on weeknights now, which is a nice change of Congrats, pace. But uh, yeah. yeah, Chenangle Jr., 4 to 7 Eastern. Come check us out. And you're calling some games, right? Yeah, I mean, the uh, Thursday night ESPN college football package. So me and Matt Berry are going to be holding it down as games start to roll out this year. And, uh, you know, God willing, if the season happens. I was going to say, if games happen, you will be there, in theory. <laughs> uh, L. Duncan, tell everyone what you've been working on. It feels like you're everywhere. Uh, yeah, well, I still do Sports Center, uh, but the, I guess, good and bad with the pandemic is that we sort of went into a rotating schedule, allowing me an opportunity to jump on around the horn uh, and get beat often by you, Sarah, and Mina. Uh, so that's been great. Also, I do HQ, and uh, I have a new addition in my stomach. I am having a coronial. I'm that basic person that got pregnant during wow. a pandemic, because why not? 
Are we going to name the baby something <laughs> Corona related, like right. uh, Fauci Duncan? I don't know what your <laughs> husband's last name is. Quarant- Quarantino. Quarantino. Or, yeah. Quarantina. Yeah, mm-hmm. those are nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you also, are you still doing the intersection on Thursday or is that bounced by all the games going on? Well, the last three weeks it has been, but we will be doing it barring uh, anything else or getting preempted. So yeah, with Clinton Yates, the intersection on Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, right? After uh, Sarah, I want to call it, I want to call it Sarah Spain and Just Friends. Just call it the it's Sarah like, Spain show. It's, yeah, that's, Sarah that's Spain. The group, that's the group <laughs> line. Um, it's now, it is now Spain and Fitz again. Yes. Um, uh, funny about that. I ran down because my dog was barking right before the show one night and didn't get back in time. And it was with Jordan Cornette. And he got so flustered by the fact that he was in charge that he said, hey, everybody, welcome to the Sarah Spain show. <laughs> which has never been the name of the show <laughs> at no Sarah point Spain in history show. he forgot he existed and it was amazing um <laughs> spain and fitz now yeah 7 to 9 p.m eastern mina kimes you have added several jobs you were on the first time and then right before you uh joined me the second time you accepted a job doing preseason games for the rams now mm. you've upped the ante yet again as an nfl analyst would you be able to succinctly summarize all your jobs or would that take too long well, I've shedded some jobs or wow. shedded it on to Pablo. He's been saying it's like a hermit <laughs> crab leaving its shell and then another <laughs> crab walks in. Um, so yeah, Pablo's now hosting ESPN Daily, which is the podcast I was hosting. Now, in addition to doing HQ and Around the Horn, uh, I'm on NFL Live, which is at 4 p.m. Eastern every day. I'm on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays with um, Laura Rutledge, Marcus Spears, Dan Orlovsky, Ryan Clark. And we're kind of getting going now that the NFL season has started. And you also have a podcast, Amina Kimes Show with Lenny. I love that yes. you guys all have so many jobs that all three of you forgot at forgot, least one. Yeah. Like all three of you <laughs> forgot yeah. all of your jobs. I, I do love that in there, I was pretty sure Mina was about to forget the actual start time of her show. <laughs> and she routinely forgets the start it's time true. of most ESPN programs. It happens. It happens. <laughs> uh, on a routine basis, I do have to go... Uh, to the Twitter or Instagram accounts of the shows I'm on to remind myself what time they air. So that's, you know. Yeah. Radio is easier. You have to be there. You're also central time, which is like no man's No one respects it. No one one's ever going to send you a central time. Never. (laughs) Every every time I'm like, wait, is this game starting right now? What the? (laughs) Um, Okay. So as as you have made very clear, you guys have many jobs. And I wanted to get you all together because not only are you great at what you do, but you're always very prepared. I'm always impressed by the knowledge that you bring and you're really likable and everybody loves to work with you. So all of those things are quite a balance. Um, L sports center, something I have never done. Uh, what's an average day look like as you prep for a sports center show? It's actually changed a lot since I was last on your podcast because I was doing morning sports centers the last time I was on. So I'd get up at three o'clock in the morning and that would sort of be where I'd have to catch up on what happened because like Lord knows I wasn't watching the Lakers play at 10 (laughs) o'clock at night Eastern time Um, and then, you know, getting up two hours later to go do a show. So it's changed a little bit. I mean, I'm able to actually watch games at night, which has been a true joy, Um, but it's mostly just like reading catching up on highlights and getting the cliffs notes. Like it's been a cool sort of adventure to prep for things like around the horn and HQ where it's much more based on opinion and some of these ancillary topics where a sports center's treetops, right? Like it's, you got the particulars, what they say afterwards, like what was on the line, any historical perspective, and then you kind of move on. Um, so, so that's, that's been very different for me, but yeah, it's really just about sort of, 
taking a look at the Cliff's Notes version of everything that happened and making sure that you're somewhat prepared to be able to talk about anything, including soccer, which I'm never prepared to talk about. <laughs> Are you writing all of your own highlights? Or does someone else do a shot sheet for you and then you add in your own flavor? Are you writing the intros and outros to features that you're throwing to? Yeah, we, I write everything. Um, I don't cut highlights, uh, which is great. Uh, but I'll, you know, I go in and because my sports center is not at night, right? Like if you're on at 11 o'clock at night, you're just, you're literally people haven't, some people haven't seen these games. So you're just yeah. reacting in real time. Um, but you know, by the time you get to me, they're like 14 hours old. So I'm doing a lot of like, sort of paraphrasing what they said post game and like perspective adding. So I'll go in and do that kind of stuff. But yeah, we write all of our own VOs. Most of us do anyway, all of our on-cam leads. Um, we tinker with the questions. We have seg producers that will help with our analysts, but uh, you know, if I know I'm going to do a segment one day on SportsCenter with Mina Kimes, um, then, <laughs> and I, you know, I sort of know what Mina likes to talk about, then I'll go in there and sort of write as well. So it's a, it's a mix of both. It certainly takes a village, but I've never really liked anyone to write for me or write. The worst is like, and I'm sure you guys can relate to this, when someone thinks they've gotten to know you and they're like, I wrote it in your voice. And it's like, oh God, is that what you think of me? Oh, I, don't know if, I don't know if that's worse or when they don't know your voice and then they fix it. Like my most <laughs> famous example of telling ESPNW I might need to work with a different editor because she changed Ain't Nobody Got Time for That. Oh, to, no. Nobody has any time for this. Oh my God! Wait, Sarah. I have. I have. I don't mean to hijack. I have a really good one that just happened on SportsCenter. Right? Yeah. I don't want to throw her under the bus, but I did an interview with Melvin Gordon. We taped it, and it was like the day that that mask came out, the the proposed helmet with like the coronavirus like right. mouthpiece thing came out, right? So I ask him about it, and we show the picture, and he's going, you know, like that ain't it, that ain't it. And he's, he has like this really strong answer about how he will not wear it. So we go in real time, like right before the show starts, my producer's like, hey, we're going to have to edit that and we're going to have to cut out some of the Melvin Gordon interview. I said, why? And he was like, well, apparently we put up the wrong picture. I go, what do you mean? And she was like, well. He kept saying that ain't it. Oh no. When we showed the picture, he said, that ain't it. That ain't it. So we apparently had the wrong helmet up. I was like, Jesus Christ. Oh no. That ain't it. Just that's means that's slang. not the move. I was like, you guys, you don't even know the lexicon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's... <laughs> Listen, it's tough to keep up. I have fully admitted in the past to needing to ask people to help keep me up on, you know, what does you can get it mean? And what is their thirst trap and all the other, you know, at different times in my life, I have been a few steps behind. I'm trying to keep up. It's tough every day. No cap. No, yeah, that's oh right. Oh my god, no uh, cap, man. No cap. <laughs> I tried that I, one the other day. It didn't go did well. Did you have? Mina's, Mina's always a little step ahead of me. Where I'm, I'm like, oh, I, I have seen that one, but I still don't know how to use it. I, I, <laughs> and Gojo's I know years it. ahead of me. Obviously, I understand it. I read it, but it doesn't sound right coming out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Key distinction. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you I just had, had a birthday. With, yeah, I had that experience with the, like the term "draws," like how people say that about like <laughs> oh yeah, men, yeah, it men, doesn't work. Like I can't ever doesn't say work. it no. in the way it needs to be said. So. <laughs> well, and the worst feeling, and Mina, you just celebrated a birthday. Happy birthday! Is that the older you get, you still feel young, but then someone in your mentions will be like quit trying to sound young and you're like oh mm. no i've reached the age where people will tell me that oh um okay mike you have a a nightly or i guess daily radio show it's kind of in the middle what does a prep day look like for you when you're getting ready for uh shanae and golik uh yeah so we uh we usually have like our show prep meeting around one o'clock we do it on zoom in the middle of the day and kind of go through things there so for me i'll kind of take like 
it, it sort of varies by morning. Some days I like to carve out and make sure I've got some time to just like be a human and do errands and other stuff <laughs> in the morning. So it's not all consuming. How but dare you? Yeah, exactly. You know how it goes, though. Sometimes you just end up down the rabbit holes. But in general, I'll take like the hour, hour and a half before that meeting and start to look at some things. And kind of like what else said, the, the benefit for me now going from doing morning radio to now is it is a lot easier for me to stay up and digest all the games. And really, for me, what I've found is by tweeting through a lot of these games, I end up taking notes that I can just go back to. And mm. so when I'm getting ready to go to our show meeting, I just end up going back to my timeline and looking at all right, what pinged, what resonated enough for me to go fire off some stupid tweet and then to kind of catalog it and go back from there so that when we get to our meeting, I remember, all right, what was the combination of what was good enough last night to do for a conversation? What are we looking ahead to that we know we want to make sure and get to? And then what's happened during the day? And, and that's probably the biggest difference is we'll kind of have a rough idea of the rundown after that one o'clock meeting. And then we don't go on the air until four. And so we're waiting around to see what changes. I mean, hell, the other week we were getting ready to go on air and all of a sudden the Bucks walked off the court and we had an entire different show happen. And so I, I think that fluid nature of what this is now in this time slot has kind of made it to where, all right, you prep to the best of your ability. You try and do the best combination in, in our sense of the things that Shanae and I think we can have the best conversation on and what we're leading into tonight and then be prepared to have to scrap it at any moment now, which is a very new phenomenon for someone that spent the last five years doing morning stuff. Right. There wasn't a lot that always uh, would happen before 9 a.m. Eastern <laughs> that you'd yeah. have to adjust to. Uh, but at least in radio, it's as easy as saying, oh, this just happened. We're talking about it. It's much more difficult. There was an Around the Horn episode. We taped the whole thing, trade deadline for baseball. We got to the end. We sat around. We waited. We waited. They let us go. I walked the like eight or 10 blocks to Whole Foods to go shopping and I'm in Whole Foods with a basket and they're like, no, come back, trade at the deadline. And we had to start and retape the whole show and get it in. And we did it live. We did Around the Horn live. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Which is a bit terrifying because you never do that show live. And so it's not like a live show is scary, but if it's one you've never done live and you're trying to hit like all the right times, mm -hmm. uh, it's a little bit different because they've got to get all the, the production features and B-roll and everything. In radio, it's just, all right, now we're talking about something else immediately. Um, Mina, let's talk about NFL Live. This is a new show. You're only a couple weeks in. So this is obviously something uh, that you're just getting used to how you prep for. What's it been like so far? Sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it'll be different once games start, of course. But the prep I do for that really dovetails with the prep I do for my NFL podcast, um, which is to say I have spent most of the offseason doing division previews, uh, which is a great way to get caught up on who's on what team and that kind of thing. But in that process, I've compiled massive, massive documents on every team, just, you know, like 40 pages kind of, you know, per team or whatever. And then I can lean on that at the beginning of the season pretty heavily. So on NFL Live, we have a a morning meeting and we're saying, okay, well, you know, Jalen Ramsey signed a contract. So let's talk about the Rams defense, a thing that didn't actually happen, but, uh, <laughs> and then I can go to my Rams file and then I can look at, you know, what I've written about the Rams defense already. I can look at cornerback contracts. I can start, I do a lot of my own pulling of statistics. We have access to this incredible database called true media that I basically live on. So I'll start pulling stuff that I think is interesting. Let's see how Jalen played in bands. Oh, let's see how much the Rams played. Um, and so I gather all this information for the day show and then that show is it's live, right? It's, it's more of a discussion than say like around the horn or highly questionable. It's less about having that kind of quippy take 
um, and it's a little bit more freeform. So I just like to have the information in front of me uh, versus HQ around the horn, where I think more about how I'm going to put something, you know, in a, in a 30 to 45 second, right? Not to open the kimono too much, but sometimes I do pre-write my jokes a little bit for those I've shows. Noticed. Yeah, no, I've noticed. We're, we're working on the delivery. It's not always organic. Yeah. You no, know, I know. But for, um, and then when, I, when, it, when it's in the moment, Sarah, I can barely deliver it. Like, you know, I'm aware. Well. I'm aware. But yeah. So for NFL Live, it, it is mostly, um, it, you know, it, it, I, I'm not thinking through what I'm going to say so much as what are the facts I want to draw on. Then when the season starts, um, you know, my process is, we all have different processes for how we watch games and review tape. I'm kind of watching Red Zone and then two, take, two games at length and just taking notes all day. Yeah. So how do you decide you pick certain games every week that you think deserve a second or third watch that you really want to get into detail on some part of their, their offense or defense or. Yeah, absolutely. And that again, goes back to my podcast because okay. If the next week I'm like, you know what, I'd really like to talk about what Philip Rivers did week one, but I didn't watch the Colts game. So I'll go back and I'll watch all of his drives, the condensed film usually, or the all 22. Whereas in the moment, like this weekend, I'll watch obviously Buck Saints, you know, it's like the big game yeah. or Packers Vikings yeah, or something like that. So Mitchell Trubisky, um, you know, wherever he is, whatever he's doing. hundred percent. Future I mean, star. There's only so many hours in the day in which we can watch these games. So I yeah. think something people like all of us, I think shared across all of our jobs, we have to pick and choose when are we watching? How much are we watching? Mm -hmm. And then if you don't get the opportunity to watch, how are we getting caught up? And yeah. that itself is a very complicated process. Which actually brings me to my next question, but it, it, you actually just reminded me of something that I was telling a friend the other day that for some reason this past year was the first time I told myself, it's okay if you do nothing on Sundays except for watch football. In fact, that's your job. Because I... So my family is not a sit around and watch sports family. No, no one, my, my parents don't care about sports. And my mom is not a sit around and watch TV ever person. Like she is a, everything should be, you should always be getting something done. So especially growing up, there was like a real guilt of just sitting mm. in front of the TV, which is also why I've never seen any movie that anyone ever talks about, I think probably, because I spent all my can't, time can't doing relate. something else. Mina, you know about that. I don't read the Wikipedia and then tell everyone I saw it though. I just admit it. But, um, and so in my brain, sometimes I've had to literally tell myself, this is your job sit and watch sports because in my head, I like can't reconcile that with you could be doing something like reading a book or like all the things in my life that I thought were enriching and useful. And so it's been useful for me to just like force myself to like reassess what I'm doing when I'm sitting and watching football all day and be like, yeah. you're working. You're just don't stress about it. You're working. Um, See, Sarah, that's the advantage I had of growing up yeah. with my dad who used that excuse rampantly. You were just built. Yeah, up. it was built this in for you. Work. Your, your work yeah. ethic, quote unquote, was just from day one and it involved yeah. doing nothing but sitting on the couch watch sports. Uh, to your point about like the places that you go, if you didn't have time to watch every game or if it was, you know, some sport happening concurrently with something that you needed to really digest. Uh, do you, each of you have maybe like a set of websites that you hit when you wake up in the morning, either TV shows that you DVR radio shows that you listen to the podcast of um, Mike, why don't you start? Do you have like a set list of go-to's? Uh, yeah, I mean, go-tos for me a lot of times, Mina mentioned it when it comes to the fall and the NFL season, certainly like Mina's podcast is a resource and like I, you know, using that and honestly, I actually, when Mina talked about having those documents there, I actually stole that tactic from her as we started doing draft prep a while mm -hmm. back and have used it in my college football just because it's so easy to go back and find that stuff once you've got it cataloged like that. But if I'm going to crunch like you know, the NFL's website, they've got a good database where you can go. She mentioned those condensed games. You can watch it in a half hour, do stuff like that. 
for the NBA, uh, you know, I'll just go and find as many highlights as I can on .com. I'll check the Slack channel for ESPN and kind of see, all right, what's the, you know, what's the most feedback we've gotten on or who had some of the best stats that I can pull from an area that might be a little bit more difficult there. You know, I'll read a fair amount of our people on .com. When it comes to college football, I look at Spencer Hall and that Banner Society crew a lot and read a lot of their stuff. They have a newsletter going out now for Moon Crew that's really smart, succinct college football stuff. And then honestly, internally, like you guys are all on it. They send out that hot list every couple of hours and even more whittled down for college football. They'll send out relevant headlines pretty much every day and kind of keep you updated on a lot of that stuff. So I, I tend to major on a lot of that. And then honestly, just turning on a lot of, you know, our stuff on ESPN radio, whether I'm going into or leaving work, I generally tend to consume a fair amount of our material. So it, it kind of just helps keep it all present enough to be just lurking below the surface. And, and you have a, let's say you have a regular day before a radio show, which is to say there's no special show or other event that you're doing. Do you have a regulated schedule on when you're working and prepping, when you're working out, when you're doing other appointments you need to get done, or is it just you make sure you slot out time for them depending on the day? Um, I, I, I never want to be too rigid because like you said, stuff comes up at times you don't know, but in general now I've gotten into a pretty good routine already to where like I'll wake up between seven thirty and eight, usually like the next couple hours after that are like coffee chores around the house, try and get a workout in at some point. And then kind of like you said, like make time to like, make sure I'm hitting the book I've been reading, watch a couple episodes or catch up on the TV show I'm watching. And then when I get to like that 11 to noon range, I mean, you start getting the itch. Like we're generally genuinely sports fans. So I was sitting around the other day and like I ended up combing through NFL practice squad rosters for God's sake, <laughs> trying to find duplicate NFL names. And so far I think I found. Oh, I have hit me up after I love this. <laughs> I do this all the time. I was, I was the Connor McGovern's the Connor McGovern's <laughs> there are two the offensive linemen named Connor McGovern. Amazing. We had two players, two David Long juniors in the same <laughs> yeah. draft. They one on the Rams. And but do you remember the baseball the players fighters. that had the same name and looked exactly the same? I can't remember Weird. that guy's name. It was that ginger guy. That shit was crazy. The same <laughs> name and they happens. looked the same. It's anyway. uh, There's two AJ Greens. There's two Lamar Jackson. Anyways, yeah. yeah. Yeah, different um, podcast. I, I know because I just drafted the other Lamar Jackson. I'm just joking. <laughs> I hope happen. someone did. I really that do. That would be amazing, though. <laughs> Al, what about you? Do you have go-to like shows, websites, uh, radio shows, anything? It's funny because um, when I was doing morning radio, like seven o'clock in the morning, Sports Center, I would listen to first and last. Like Gojo was my my resource because nice. I didn't. He would literally be the one to tell me like what has happened and what was going on. Um, Everyone so he, just dabbed. So he's Lots gone. So now I'm dabbing from Mina. I'm like Mina. Why would you start that, Mina? Yeah, stop. please don't. No. It's not being recorded. There's no video recording for oh, once. I mean, you know, you never know. my life. You never know. It might find dab. its way out. The dab. Um, so when it comes to Sports Center, I I really honestly sort of. It, you have to get numbers right on sports center, right? Like you can't have erroneous numbers. So because of that, it's really a great way to sort of use the recaps that are on ESPN.com because I've been given the green light that if they're posted there, then they're good to go. And so <laughs> if I am wrong, it is not my fault. And um, so I really stick to those and then I don't have to get anything second or third checked from our research department. Uh, but when it comes to things like around the horn and, and HQ, I actually do a lot of like, I actually try not to. So I, I, I read this study many, many years ago that some people sort of have 
like this mirror gene in them where they very much can like mirror people and imitate people. And I, I think that's me. Like I've always been really good at imitating people and doing impersonations. And so honestly, being completely honest, like sometimes if I watch too much of other people, it can inform my opinion. So I really do mm. try to not watch a lot of television. Um, uh, even on our air. I mean, I'll watch, of course, my good friend, Mina, because she's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I'll see you on Around the Horn, Sarah, and, and Gojo, I love you, and Janae. And obviously, I, I listen to you on the radio. But I try so to like, other to than that, though, no, no, no one else. Nobody just else. Like, just the three convenient. people. It's weird. Convenient that that's just, the only TV Just so. the three people on this <laughs> podcast. Um, but I'll do things like, I'll go look at NBA Twitter and see sort of like, what they're talking about. And I'll try to pull the pop, I'll read The Athletic or I'll read The New York Times and just sort of see some of, again, some of these like stories that are a little bit more in depth and a little less treetops than what I do on SportsCenter. Um, I do rely on Slack. Like if I, I'm one of those people that will be like, okay, it feels like, example here, Coach Buddenholzer is a terrible at how he manages Giannis's minutes in the playoffs. Like it just feels that way. So I'll go to Slack and I'll have them like help me confirm that, you know? Um, and, uh, but yeah, like it's, it's really just more about, I gotta be honest with you. I hate being that person that blames children, but like <laughs> this idea that you have all the time in the world to like read and do deep dives and listen to podcasts and watch ESPN all day, like it just goes out the way. I barely have time to like shower and brush <laughs> my teeth and eat. So uh, there isn't a lot of time. I have to be very selective with like sort of how I absorb information and where I absorb it from, um, which is I'm why- I'm so I, sorry then that you have another child foisted upon you out of your control saying, that you like, didn't I don't know choose. What, what a I'm doubling down on this shit show. I don't know you've been what forced saying. to procreate again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> did anyone else, this is, this is a real deep cut. Did anyone else picture the parts of uh, girls just want to have fun when the twins would do the dances when she was talking about mirroring just me anyone does anyone remember just I used to love just that movie. and yeah. they looked uh, they look a lot they had that janelle monet vibe back in the yeah. day remember it yeah. was two beautiful black women they wore top yeah. hats and like ties and they mirrored. i remember yeah. yeah thank you okay sarah jessica right. parker would do her little cartwheel yeah. and helen hunt the, stole mm, the movie yeah the, the evil way. girl was from lake forest which is where i'm yeah. from so i always yeah. love that detail yeah. um anyway that was a fun reminiscing. We're so eighties, ah, Mina. <laughs> how about you? What are your go-to's and limit it to the top hundred sources that you go to? Yeah, well, <laughs> it's interesting because like there's the things you do to just understand what happened, right? Like you're reading gamers and whatnot. We go to the same sources for that, I think. But then there's the opinion reading you read or listen to. Um, I read a lot of NBA um, analysis and listen to a lot of NBA podcasts uh, because that's. I love the NBA, but it's not like the NFL where um, I'm following it so closely that, you know, I, I really need it more, frankly, when I'm doing analysis, just to kind of support my own thinking, interrogate it, come up with different angles and approaches to things. And then you don't, it's not about like ripping them off and saying, okay, I'm just going to pass off Zach Lowe's opinion <laughs> as my own. And nobody's going to notice when I- Not a bad one though, if you're going to, if you get yeah. stuck. Yeah. That would be so <laughs> obvious because it would be way too knowledgeable if I tried to pass off like a Zach Lowe thing. But you know, it, it just kind of all gets mixed into this stew that I then use to formulate my own take. The scary thing is when you have a take and then you read like Bill Barnwell and it, he says something different and then you're like, oh no, if he says this, I have to be wrong. It's a terrifying <laughs> occurrence. Um, but yeah, it is. A, I, I think I'm sensing a theme, which I think people probably maybe don't know about our jobs, which is most of our job is just reading. 
Like, it's a lot of it. I spent so much time just reading, uh, yeah. and it's boring sounding, but it helps. Well, I, I think that's like half the battle, though, is you're just willing to read and watch stuff where, like, most other people spend their day doing other things that are associated with their job. Like, 90% of being an expert is just watching all of something as opposed right. to just watching parts of it. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think. Um, I also, I, I would say I probably add in more radio than some of you guys. And part of that is because <laughs> my radio show is late. And so if I want to get anything done during the day without stressing about how I'm not working hard enough, I have, I kind of like double task where like I'm working mm. out while listening to a, a podcast. I'm getting ready. Like I, Golik and Wingo was my go-to. I'm not sure yet on KJ and Z. It's nothing wrong with the show. It's just, they're they're spraying to different fields and Golik and Wingo used to be a pretty good, I know they're going to talk about the top news of the day and at least do it in a presented in a way where, okay, I'm caught up while I'm brushing my teeth and getting ready. I'm zooming through all of them and I'm off to do my workout or run my errand because I'm not done with work till 8 PM. So I have to do anything I need to get done before I start working. Um, but, but, and then I also, I have a couple silly ones in there that I think are probably again related to my, radio show where I always want to figure out to also bring some levity. So I always hit up, used to be Deadspin, soon to be The Defector, and then The Big Lead and For The Win, because they always have those lighthearted, silly things going on in sports. And I'm like, oh, I, you know, while we're going to do this topic at the end of this, this segment, let's also get into like the Odell Beckham Jr. thing. Or like, <laughs> the other thing is like, there's stories that's not going to be on ESPN, like J.R. Smith sliding into the DMs and talking pipes. Like they're not going to cover that on a respectable place. So sometimes I bounce around the internet and find some of the stuff to stay up to date also with what everybody's kind of joking about. Um, one of the biggest realizations for me, especially for radio, was how much better the product is when the prep is better. That's very obvious. But sometimes you think you're ready and then you stumble your way through something, which is like all of the shows that I first started guest hosting on ESPN 1000. And then once you figure it out. So I'm curious from each of you, what was your like biggest realization about what you weren't doing, what you hadn't added, what you weren't consuming, uh, that once you added that into the mix, you, you feel like the work just got better for you. Anybody can uh, start on that. Um, I mean, I'll, well, I'll say that I think that, um, I, again, when you first join SportsCenter, it can be very overwhelming because you, especially as a woman, let's be honest, like you want to sort of at least present yourself as being like knowledgeable, which is fine, but I wanted to be an expert at everything. <laughs> and I was like, it's impossible. Like you're, that's not you. And nobody's expecting you to be the Zach Lowe of like every four major sports plus soccer, plus like, it just is not, you know, plus college football, plus um, so I all think women's me, it was, sports, which I throw right, that all, into the yeah, mix course, and no one even sports. knows the league exists. And I'm like trying to make sure I stay up to date on it so that people yeah. feel like I'm like, you know, helping and of course, yeah. The, the fate of all women's sports is on you. And like, yeah, of course you it get feels the, like the criticism. Yeah. yeah. If you don't bring it up, like how <laughs> yeah, could you yeah. not talk about the wobble? Um, so for me, it was just about saying like, and I think too, there's a penchant for women to, because they don't want their opinion to be questioned many times, they lean heavy on statistics. It's like, well, you can't argue numbers, right? Like you can't hit me with a, well, you never played football, Mina. So how the hell would you know if I just throw a bunch of numbers at you? Um, and so I think like coming into my own was really about being like, no, I love football. I'm, you know, and I, maybe I'm not the most informed person in the world about football, but I've watched football my whole life and I've got gut instincts about this shit and I'm going to say it like, and I don't need to support it with 
every stat in the world in order to feel like it's infallible. So for me, it was just about learning like how to use your voice, when to use your voice, and frankly, when to be transparent about the fact that you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Like, it's okay (laughs) sometimes to just be like, I'm learning with you at home. Like, we're learning this together. That's my greatest Dan Lebitard gift, and he has given me many as a mentor, but listening to someone as educated and knowledgeable as him just be willing to be like, hey, anyone know who coaches the Nets? (laughs) <laughs> Brooklyn Nets, anyone? Or or be like New Jersey Nets. I'm sorry, wait, where are they? Okay, yeah. And you'll be like, it just gives you more freedom to make a mistake and not get super defensive sure. or to have more fun with the things you don't know as well. Uh Gojo, you got you got a, a trick that you learned? Um, I, I think for me a lot of it was just growing up and calming down. Like I got on like I got on air when I was like twenty-six years old. I was a dumbass kid and I was pretty insecure about the fact that like I hadn't played 10 years in the NFL and I didn't come with the resume. A lot of the other people and my dad was working in the freaking building. Like there were all these reasons that I felt all these eyes on me that are like, you're not good enough. People are going to figure out you're a fraud, like all that stuff that pops up in it. So a lot of it for me was a going through all that over preparing. Like the biggest thing I learned with college, like calling college football games is it's kind of like playing. You're going to over prepare the shit out of everything and you're going to use about 20% of it. Mm-hmm. And you've got, you know, you learn all the time where you can will it off. But like you said, there's also no substitute for just knowing you put the work into something and you're ready to go. And so once I had enough of that foundation, kind of just like Al said, like you, you got used to understanding that like, all right, after a while, you're good enough. And like, that was part of the advice of my dad, which is be yourself because you're too stupid to be anyone else. Like, <laughs> Joke, joking aside, that's been his advice to like me and my brother and sister since we were kids was just go in and be yourself because eventually, especially in a medium like radio, you're going to get found out like it's too long form and it's too personal. And then the other part, you mentioned Dan and, and certainly that model because I've spent so much time with Stu Gotts is there's just no substitute for listening to the person that you're in the room with. Like we get so focused sometimes on trying to have everything nailed down and you certainly like and even now I'm better at making sure I've got a few relevant stats to support things and making sure I get names right because people's families are listening and that shit matters. <laughs> but it, it, it's also that, you know, thing of once you start having the conversation, listen, cause that's where the good stuff is. Like 90% of the best conversations on radio start when something unexpected happens and a producer or one of the hosts is listening intently enough to say, that's really interesting. Let's go to that. And so I, I think just, kind of calming down overall and learning to be present has made, you know, all the preparation then start to shine through in the spots that make sense and not just be forced regurgitation of this stuff. I feel like I got to get in to sound like I know what I'm doing. That's really good advice. How about you, Mina? I think for me, it's less the preparation, which I kind of like, like I'm really good at studying. Yeah, like, we there know. are very <laughs> few yeah. things in life that yeah. I am, I, I can't use the phrase keep it a buck naturally i can't <laughs> dance i can't sing but i can study okay <laughs> problem is um at first i was not good at turning that preparation into something people wanted to hear quite frankly um like most of us you know at the end of the day like if we watch a game and i don't know the box get knocked out or whatever we have pretty similar takes on it unless you're crazy and you're you know out, out and just most of us know what's right and wrong, especially if we are, we're getting a lot of the same stats, we're using a lot of the same information. Um, but what uh, the producer of Highly Questionable, Eric Reitholm, and Around the Horn once told me was, don't worry about you know, having the most right answer. Worry about, just tell us what you found interesting. And that's mm-hmm. something I've um, spent a lot of time and energy 
working on over the last few years is turning all of that preparation and, and you know, all of that information gathering into a message that's different and sort of original. And then also feeling okay if I don't get to use any of the preparation, uh, as Mike alluded to. It's funny because all three of you, your answer was essentially when you get comfortable and confident enough to say what you think or what you find interesting versus what you think is expected of you, whether that's the stats from L, you're like, oh, I can just give my opinion and I don't have to worry about it. If someone doesn't like it or believe it, I know that it's it's grounded in in my understanding of what I'm watching. And same for for Golik and Minutes, right? It's it's what am I presenting? It's not just the, pre- the preparation I did, but also why you want to hear it from me, which is also this like del- delicate balance where you're not supposed to be the story yourself, but also there's so many options out there now that you do have to give people a reason to choose you instead of every other TV channel, radio show, website, podcast, digital show, YouTube channel. I mean, it used to be like, you don't really have a choice. Here's the three stations that have sports on or three channels in, in television. So um, I think that confidence is, um, it's, it's time and it's earned. So unfortunately, uh, you have to put in the work to get it. Um, and you also have to be willing to just fail and suck and have people call you out and be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm still doing all right. Uh, which is another good part of something like Around the Horn is that you, uh, you get immediately usually called out uh, when, you, when you are wrong or have a bad take and you're muted or points are deleted or otherwise. Um, <laughs> Well, I, I told you guys I didn't want to keep you too too long. So uh, this was super helpful. I already have uh, taken notes in my head for myself of things I'm going to steal. I already stole that Mina football binder thing because she said that <laughs> on my podcast last year. Um, and so uh, eventually uh, we're all going to get back into the Trapper Keeper game just because we, <laughs> yeah. we want to keep up with Mina. In fact, <laughs> I think I might transfer mine to a Trapper Keeper. I'm going to I'm gonna go on the web right now after recording this and find i'm gonna find the most 80s bears trapper keeper (laughs) i can get it might be the only joy i get out of this season (laughs) more great insight and tips from uh diana and adam coming up now that's what she said more friends joining me i love this what a great i need to just have my friends on the podcast talking (laughs) about things more often instead of you know Famous people that I'm mining for information. Uh, both of these wonderful people, both Diana and Adam Amin, have been on the podcast before, but this one's a little bit different. We're bringing back some of my faves to talk about their prep. And I found this especially interesting as I approached this football season uh, because last time Mina was on, she talked about her football binder and it inspired me to make my own football binder. And then it also made me wonder what is everyone else doing to get themselves ready and how is it different and what can I learn from and what would other people want to learn from? So I wanted to bring in two game day folks. This is a little bit different than the folks who have a show that's uh, either previewing or analyzing games after the fact. So Diana, let's start with telling people all of your jobs right now, some of which uh, may, has, may have changed since the last time you were on. Yeah, so um, I'd say probably my, my most important job right now during the season is to be a pregame, postgame reporter on Sundays for all NFL games. So Sunday NFL countdown, you'll see me on in the mornings and then pretty much all of Sports Center after the game. People always say like, oh, you're a sideline reporter. I, I'm technically not a sideline reporter. I'm more of a pregame report host or pregame reporter and a postgame reporter. Um, and pre-COVID, I used to work with Adam a lot, uh, and I would do ESPN radio sidelines. So I'm just, I would pretty much get to a game and not stop all day long. 
Uh, but that's my, my main role. And then during the week, I hop on all the different shows to talk about the big storylines and also be an insider on days that Adam just needs to take a breath. Um, and I'm also hosting a new Monday uh, night football pregame show on Twitter for, for us. It's something new we're doing this year to just try it out because everyone's watching on their phones these days and not a lot of people are in front of their TV shows watching those traditional pregame shows. So we're like, all right, let's just see the kind of traffic we can get if there's any interest. So we just recap Sunday and get ready for Monday. So th that, that's my role right now. Adam, that you speak of being Adam Schefter, not the Adam Amin that's on with us. Adam Correct. Schefter is the one who you give a break to and, and often work with. And the new Monday Night Football digital experience was uh, uh, exciting news to me as my radio co-host will be doing that apparently during our show, which I found out when you posted about it on Instagram. <laughs> I was like, hey, is this pre-taped or? Oh, no. Okay. All right, we should talk about this and maybe have a plan. So anyway, that's happening. More behind the scenes of the great communication that goes on at the Worldwide Leader. Um, Adam, speaking of the Worldwide Leader, you've left the mothership. You've gone out on a dinghy. No, I'm just kidding. You've left for a different <laughs> boat entirely. Uh, <laughs> what, are, what is your new gig? Uh, floating on a raft, I think, out on the <laughs> Pacific Ocean right now, more than anything else. No, uh, I, so as Diane alluded to, one of my roles when I was at ESPN was calling NFL games on ESPN Radio, and I did that for four seasons. Uh, and I worked for a different company for four seasons before that. So uh, I got uh, a similar chance, uh, like Diane has, to be around a lot of these organizations. And, and uh, my role is different as more of a deep diver uh, into one particular game. And that's what I do now at Fox Sports. Uh, now calling the NFL on television, same deal. I still lock in and zero in on two teams. We parachute in every week to try to learn and absorb and then disseminate the information of as many of the relevant and prescient storylines for both teams in that game uh, as we can and whenever they're appropriate and, and whenever they enhance the broadcast. And then obviously the more, most important thing is calling the game, calling the game itself and covering play to play to play what happens documenting that along with our analysts, our reporter and our production crew and giving you the game, that one game every single week and trying to be as informed and as engaged on those two teams as possible with the understanding of what else is going on around the league. So Diane has got a massive global perspective on the NFL with all the shows that she covers. And then when she goes to these games, she zeroes in on one game. Like I do, I try to start from the inside and then work towards the outside. So you mentioned all the different jobs. That's really why we're here. It's the commitment issues that you have. It's, it's a, it's, it's a, we're here to talk you through it. Um, no, congrats on the new gig and congrats. I know not Diana, Diana, we know finally committed because she mentions it. on every um, I'm, I'm and, waiting and, to and finally meet a, the fiance to make sure it's a real person. And we're on a zoom okay. and, and the, the ring keeps popping up. Once yeah. In a while, somehow she like keeps making sure we can all see that left hand. I like it. I like it. I actually try to hide it as much as I can, but everyone, nobody even believes. Excuse me, I know everyone thinks I'm making this. Well, yeah, because your significant other is like social media phobe. And unlike you, yeah, we, we no. don't know anything about him. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, so let's get to then what an average, I don't know how to best say it, Diana, because I imagine that your weeks don't always look exactly the same, but there's some similarity across each one, especially during the NFL season. So let's say mid-season, what is a week or, a, or maybe a game day then? Start with the big picture and then near win look like for you in terms of prepping for your job. Yeah, I'd say the biggest part of my prep is talking on the phone um, with players, coaches, GMs, um, one or two owners that I can get in touch with once in a while, uh, scouts, agents, it's constant. I am always on the phone. In fact, today I was in the elevator 
and one of my neighbors who I, I don't know um, mentioned, every time I see you outside, you're on your phone. I'm like, I, I know, because it's hard with COVID to be in the apartment and constantly be talking. Um, and it starts at 5 a.m. because I can usually catch most coaches headed into the facility at that time. And they're bored in the car, so they don't mind kind of catching up and talking ball. So um, I probably do the most work on an, for the NFL between the hours of 5 and maybe 7 a.m. Or midnight to one <laughs> when, when, when people are leaving facilities. Um, so that like that, I'd say that's like my, my bread and butter of terms of, of, of my day in terms of getting me ready. Um, and, and then it's up to me to really start digging in and doing, doing what every news reporter in the world does, which is just comb, uh, you know, the internet and Twitter and just make sure you're just on top of every single thing that's happening all day long. I obviously have ESPN on usually in the background, sometimes even the NFL network, just to make sure I'm not missing anything. Um, and, and it's just, it's about consumption and enjoying it. Um, you know, even on my days off or when I want to unplug, I, I love the game so much that it's relaxing to me to even listen to a podcast that's football related. Um, I feel like I'm always chasing information. And if I were to admit one piece of anxiety I probably deal with the most is I never feel informed enough. So I think if, if you enjoy the consumption of it, it doesn't feel like work because you, you enjoy it, but you, you do feel like in this business, especially as on the reporter side of it, that there's always a story out there you should be working on. There's always a story you should be chasing down. So I spend most of my days just trying to get ahead of it or at least trying to catch it. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that uh, is tough about this is if you do t try to take a break, you feel overwhelmed by guilt that there's, because you're never going to catch up. Like there, you're never going to be like, oh, I got it all. There's always going to be more that you can know. And so that's always kind of hanging over you. Even if you clear out time to do something else, you'll get dragged back into like, oh, I didn't, I, I didn't see this. Now I've got to catch up on this. Um, so it's a lot sometimes. Um, so on a game day, so you, you've, you've gathered together all this information from the coaches and you're using that for the reports that you do. Are you reaching out to shows saying, hey, I've got this that you're going to want to have me on for? Are they reaching out to you? And then you're, you know, reacting to that by saying, let me go find something to bring to the show. So Sunday NFL countdown is a beast of a show and we have really aggressive producers that, that run that. And we start conversations Monday about things that we want to get after players that we want to try to get interviews with storylines. And it just, it's kind of a snowball all week long and there's a constant back and forth communication of what we can get, what we're looking for. And I'd say probably Friday, by then I've, I've spoken to the players, like the star players at least, or the ones I can get information from. By Friday, I have most of that stuff in the can already because I'm on the phone during the week, I'm watching their press conferences, I'm reading articles, and I start basically forming what's gonna be the best stuff. Um, and Saturday night, we, we have a pretty, intense phone call late Saturday about what we want to do Sunday morning. And we try to mix for the show, the most newsy relevant stuff on Sunday morning that fans want to know with also not leaving out those that maybe don't consume as much as we do. It's, it's a real tough balance because not everybody's doing yeah. this the way we you are. You get too in the weeds and people get lost, but if you don't yeah. address that enough, people are like, I already know this. Exactly. So a balance of feel good stories and funny stuff and 
music videos yeah. with Celine Dion and, you know, whatever, whatever makes the cut. Uh, yeah. I want to get back to some of that, but, but Adam, for you, you know, um, I imagine you do have the meetings with the coaches and the players that brings you some of that info, but you're also relying on the Diana Rossini types to bring some of that as well, right? When you're focusing on more, how do I make sure I know every player's number and position and storyline? Yeah, it's the, for us, it's the, and you guys both talked about great elements uh, that go into what we do on Sundays on, on a broadcast. It's uh, the second and third layers that we're trying to get. Uh, obviously, when I start prep on, uh, on a game for a week, I have, you know, I actually have like this. I know, I know you won't be able to see it on a podcast, yeah. but I'm, I'm looking at a spotting board right now from Sunday. And, you know, like Diana, Dan, looks like Sarah, a you can all see it. with meetings in every spot. <laughs> and, and, there's a, and there's a bunch of colors and stuff's yeah. crossed out and highlighted and circled and things are written down during the game. And, and that's what I'm building as an information database that's curated specifically for that week's game. So, you know, for Russell Wilson, obviously it's an opening day game. So naturally, you know, there are plenty of treetop storylines that we're going to get to, but what's the most relevant stuff? Well, what did he do last year? Five interceptions was a career low. So he's coming off a season where he had one of the sharpest passing years of his career. He had a 4,000 yard passing year, uh, which uh, has not happened every single year for Russell Wilson. He has started 129 now consecutive games in the regular season. That's the second longest active streak in the NFL. And these are nice facts to have. And we'll give you those, right? Like you said, Sarah, like we need to know that treetop stuff, but a guy sitting on his couch in, in Seattle right now knows all the stuff that we're telling him because he lives that mm -hmm. team every, every week. But he may not know Philip Rivers. He may not know the context of why that's a big deal. Maybe he doesn't know that Matt Ryan had started 150-plus starts consecutively until they played the Seahawks last year and he missed the game because he was hurt with an ankle injury. Oh, and by the way, that takes us into another storyline about how Matt Schaub was the starting quarterback for that game against Seattle last year. So we're trying to take as many bits of information as possible, contextualize them specifically for that game, and then try to connect the dots A to B to C so that you have as good of a picture, as clean and as clear and as wide of a scope for that picture about why this is important, why this player is important to his team, why he's important to the league as possible. We want you to have that information contextualized by us so then you can just absorb that piece of information, that, that nugget, that piece of knowledge, that story, that anecdote that Diana, you know, worked on during the week that, you know, now I know the headline for. If Diana's my sideline reporter, uh, as she was a bunch of times for me on radio, I know that she's going to have the second and third layer to the Russell Wilson story. I'll give you the number, the nugget, the storyline I'll give you, you know, what the context around let Russ cook is, right? They want right. to pass the ball on early downs. But Diana, because she knows that's a big part of what Seattle's thinking about, is going to talk not only to Pete Carroll like I did, or Russ, maybe Russell Wilson like I did because we have that access. Maybe she's talking to DK Metcalf on the field. Maybe she's talking to the left tackle Dwayne Brown and getting more insight about why this is going to be an essential piece of the story of the season for that team or for that player. That's what Diana does. And that's what reporters do. And that's what in-game and beat reporters do uh, for us. You know, as broadcasters, they give us the most pressing and relevant information uh, the closer and closer we get to game time. It was really clear in baseball when there was this battle over advanced statistics and saber metrics versus the old school style of calling a game. I'm curious for you guys, when you're considering your prep for, a hit on television or calling a game 
and you see that there is the possibility to use something like uh, the one I just learned from Bill Barnwell, CPOE, completed passes over expectation, yeah. right? So you can watch Drew Brees and say, oh, that was a pretty good game. And then you look and say, actually, he had the third worst CPOE. He was 8.8% above a below expectation for his completed passes. And then you look at the, you know, yards in the air, which is a little easier for people to understand. How do you balance like this? Actually, this statistic really tells a story I want to better than any other versus if I get too into modern and advanced statistics, I lose people. And are you hearing from above how to incorporate that into your, your prep and your presentation? That's kind of for either of you, but go ahead, Adam. Uh, I imagine that it was very similar for baseball announcers about 10 years ago, you know, and I remember John Shambi, our, you know, uh, our buddy talking about that uh, and how he started to incorporate things like OPS, which all of us are fairly uh, reliant on now. That's a great metric and a great overarching metric for, for what, you know, how, how to evaluate a player uh, in game. I don't think football has those just yet. I don't think it has those just yet. It's working on it. And the advanced statistics are really fascinating to learn. Uh, what I do have uh, an expectation for is that those metrics will be more used in evaluating after games. Like you're going to do a lot more about uh, uh, with, with advanced stuff in predicting how a team may play against a, a certain opponent that week. And then to evaluate, relative to everybody else in that position or every other team that's involved uh, relative to them, what the success rate is. So I don't think we're going to get that deep into it on football because that's really like Diana was saying, like pre and post has more time to explain, contextualize and uh, give room to absorb that stuff. Yeah. For a so, does, so I don't so think we're baseball that. for that matter. Absolutely. Within and, a and, game, and, You can explain ex that exactly. stat while you're saying why it's relevant in football. It's a lot harder to do. Exactly. Diana, for your prep and when you're getting ready for shows like that, how much are you looking at that stuff beyond the, the general? I know you're more stories and injuries and who's starting and why and who's disappointing and who's, you know, above expectation. But what about those stats? Uh, I definitely have dove into it more in the last two years than I did, let's say, four years ago when I started. Um, I, I don't want to say I ignored it initially. I just I, I don't think I was that interested in it because teams weren't yet. I mean, they, some were, but now it's rapid. Now everybody pays attention to analytics. I mean, you'll have some head coaches give you attitude, like hey, the numbers, the numbers, but um, they rely on it and they all have numbers people on their staff. So um, I, think it, I think it's just always smart to, to understand it and understand how it applies, why it's making certain teams um, you know, good, bad. I know I, I've had conversations with players before who are analytic freaks themselves. And, you know, I, I, I just like to be able to understand what they're talking about and also be able yeah. to share, um, you know, because I'm spending so much time talking to them. Um, they're always interested. I can't tell you how many times I've had people in the league who, by the way, have their own departments to do all this. Mm -hmm. Hey, hit up your stats guy, find out, whatever, you know, whatever is interesting. Mm -hmm. And I just did it last weekend, actually, for a player. They just, you know, I think for, for a lot of these guys, they're really interested in it. So, so staying afloat on it and, and understanding it is, is the smartest thing you can right. do as a reporter. I don't include it, though, on Countdown. Like, I, I, I don't even use a stat on Countdown. Unless it's, like, Blockbuster, um, I find that the analysts in the studio with graphics uh, um, can usually – uh, discuss it better than I can when I only have a few seconds yeah, out there. For sure. 
Uh, there's two other things I want to make sure we get to. And one of them is when you're looking at that, and I've, I already forgot the name you gave your calendar slash uh, board slash list of players and backs. Oh, uh, spotting board. Yeah. Spotting board. Okay. How do you learn that? How, so when you take over a job like this, is there, cause this, this is how I operate. I'm a nerd, former love to study, you know, but I'm also a creature of show me how something is done. And then I will do it to the best that I can. I will, I'll do it a million times until I get it right. Mm -hmm. But I struggle a lot if there's no blueprint for things. Um, it's why when I moved to LA to be an actress, I was like, is there just a book that tells you like what to do? Because <laughs> that's what I'm good at is the book stuff. Um, and so I'm wondering when you take over a job, do you immediately just go to somebody who already held it and say, how are you prepping? What do you do? How do you make a spotting board? Or do you have to know that before you even get the job in order to prove to the hiring people that you know how to do it? It's interesting. When I first started calling football games, and I had only called, I think, a total of four football games on radio, like high school games, when I got hired at ESPN to start doing games on TV. So uh, they, they definitely took a chance uh, and had a little bit <laughs> like, of a I'll risk. I'll figure it out. <laughs> I'll figure it out as he goes. I remember and, my first And game. hit a home run on it. Wait the hand. Yeah. But like, but like my first game, I, I remember navigating it. You know, it's a high school football game. And I'm like, how do I prepare for this exactly? I knew what a spotting chart was. I knew like kind of like what it's supposed to look like. But I had to look it up in books. I emailed five or ten different broadcasters who I knew had done it or used it or, or did them by hand or whatever. Uh, and I was like, just what is it supposed to look like? What do you like? I had to bug a lot of people to try to understand it. And then I decided, well, I have to do it on my own because the only way I can take in all this information and then try to put it together in a fashion that makes sense to me is to do it by myself. And there are a lot of announcers who get charts made for them, just like the basics, names, numbers, positions. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, and then they take all of their own notes or write, it all, write them all out. I still am in this habit where I have to do it on my, uh, on my own. I have to do it yeah. myself and write it out in a way that makes sense to me. And for me, and you were saying, Sarah, like how, how, what type of learner you were. I'm a reps learner. I Me have too. To, I have to write I, things down, not type them either. Yeah. Handwrite them. Okay. That's fair too. And like, yeah. I, I, I've, gotten to a, I've gotten to a point where I can type these things out and feel okay oh. about them. But if I'm the one typing them out, if I'm typing out that it's Russell Wilson's ninth year and that he's number three and that DK Metcalf is in his second year and he's number 14, these things by proxy and by osmosis start to get absorbed. And just by immersing myself in the game over the course of the week, that helps me by, by just by osmosis to, to absorb it, to know that, you know, Tack McKinley and Dante Fowler, those two in my head are connected as the defensive ends for this Atlanta defense. I know that the secondary is connected by injuries the last two seasons for Atlanta. I know Wilson's numbers. I know Chris Carson's numbers. I know why the right side of the offensive line for Seattle is very important this year with two new additions. And I'm not, memorizing every single nugget or every single fact, but I'm putting it on, put that, putting that information in positions where I know that if I haven't absorbed it fully or I haven't processed it completely to remember it by heart and, and by, you know, immediacy that it's there for me and I know where to look. And I know that even a, a one line thing about a contract or about an injury is going to trigger the whole picture right, in my head sure. because I've, I've, I've taken that deep dive into it. Diana, what about you? I mean, 
one of the jobs I find most fascinating and stressful to think about is a reporter where other people are like competing to break something that's going to come out two minutes later anyway from the team. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't imagine if my job performance is based on like, did you break something that they're about to announce? Um, but also like relationships, which is fun, but stressful to like, how do I get in with a player or coach enough to have their number and call them and have them want to give me information and the behind the scenes of what do I scratch your back on? So you scratch mine. Like, it's a very different job than like what I do, for instance. Yeah. Uh, I almost died about a week ago. Um, <laughs> I was working on the Jadavian Clowney signing and I had all my ducks in a row. And when you're breaking a, a big story, you have all the big guns in on it, right? So I have Adam Schefter, Chris Mortensen, my bosses. Um, and there's a, a pretty respectful workflow where everyone knows who's got the juice on this story. And Adam and Mort are amazing at sort of stepping back and going, this is yours. We're here though to kind of catch you or fill some holes if you need another source on it. And um, there were two teams, the, the Saints and the Titans who were involved. Uh, and I was talking to Clowney's people, Titans people, and the Saints people. And then across the league, two other GMs that, you know, everyone gossips. So it was, I remember I started the day having brunch and when this, when I finally broke the story, um, my fiance was still sitting at the brunch table at 6 PM. We had never, I never went back to like, he just sat well, it was there bottomless and mimosas though. So that's exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and he was hammered. I wouldn't Absolutely. leave either. Yeah. I would just keep, yeah. And he was like, you had to do it because I was pacing outside the restaurant, just walking up and down, <laughs> making phone calls, texting, hopping on sports center, hopping on radio. Like yeah. it, was, it, was, it was a rush. And he was just do toasted. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, I, I loved it. I'm like, thanks. You know, and he was watching it all unfold on Twitter. And, and but he just he just sensed this isn't my space and I'm just going to drink. Um, so. But that's it was all, fun. That's, after all I was, that's all a lot yeah. of us deal with that, yeah. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I, we, we got to have a celebratory drink right after that. I was trying to catch up. It took a while, though. Um, but, yeah, no, no, it's, it's definitely it, – it's really stressful. I, I have a sign uh, written on my refrigerator that says, stop breaking news. Because <laughs> when I'm in it and, – and I don't really mean it, but it's like a reminder to me sometimes because I hate it when I'm doing it. It's – I sweat. I, I, I'm, I'm just a strange person anyway, but I'm really strange under anxiety. <laughs> um, and look, it's awesome when you get it and it feels awesome when, when, when the people that you have these relationships with hook you up with a big one, especially if, if, if you can get a big one, which doesn't happen a lot. Um, so yeah, if, if you're, if you're cut out for that, cause I don't think everyone is, and I'm learning that I, I keep telling myself I'm not, I actually just had this conversation with my father the other day and he, he gave me the best look ever, which was basically like bullshit. Like yeah. you love this, <laughs> you know? And, and I, I do, I do. It's just, I it's, do feel like your Jersey background prepares you to have half of your job, just be talking on the phone and the other half being trying to like <laughs> someone's throat to get to something ahead of them. It feels oh, very on brand for you. Yeah. It, it, it works. I, I do think I was, I was meant to do this, but um, I would like to do something else. Uh, well, <laughs> but like, but we'll say, Adam. Real, I, I will say this, and I, I say this as, as somebody who's known Diana and worked with her probably for the last 
four years, four or five years. And we've, we've had the chance to work on a couple of different projects and obviously some, some games together. And I've seen the growth and the development. And Diane already came to ESPN with a, with a pretty uh, hefty resume and, and a great track record already in, in the D.C. area. But to see the growth over just a three- or four-year period, that doesn't happen. And, and I know this is very – I don't think people on the outside would necessarily understand the context of this, but the level of growth that Diane has had in just a, a three-year period does not happen with most people in this business. And it – it takes a lot of elements to that. And I'm sure, you know, for different people, people, different elements play a different factor. But at the end of the day, all I knew about Diana was that she was like ear to the, you know, ear to the ground, nose to the grindstone at all times. Yeah. And, and it's well, funny to listen. That's, you know, both it's, of you. It's, that's both of you, honestly, <laughs> meteoric yeah. rise and a massive success and responsibility handed over in a short amount of time, which that's why I like giving people these behind the scenes, because I think it's hard to understand the amount of work that goes into all this. And for breaking news, the amount of um, quadruple checks and sources for even the smallest thing. As someone who has broken news only a couple of times recently was with the WNBA Deladon bubble mm -hmm. stuff. The amount of time that goes into one little story. That and somebody, one tweet, right? And they don't, yeah. They don't even think there's anything super controversial in it. And they have no idea how many sentences in there are written specifically because it would be controversial if you said one thing or the other, or you didn't have this source or this was not right. Um, it, it's, it's very stressful to get those right and, and, and do right by all the people that are giving you the information and everything else. Um, so really quickly, I'm really fascinated in the outlets that people use. So I want to hear from both of you when you wake up in the morning, if you're not on the phone with someone or, or doing a specific game prep, um, what websites are you using? What shows are you watching? What radio shows are you listening to? Like, are there go-tos, especially when you're just maybe not so much for your specific reporting, but like you both said, you also want to be able to treetop what's going on in the sports world. Yeah, I think uh, for me, it's a lot. I, I start generally and I have plenty of sources that I will eventually go to, whether it is football outsiders for some of the analytics stuff, whether it's pro football focus for some of the analytics stuff, uh, I, I still go to ESPN because they do a really good job of curating stories in a very simple to absorb format. So I always check the site, but honestly, I'll Google this week, Tom Brady and see what the first things that pop up are. And that's the thing that that's nice in a technology, you know, this age of technology as announcers, like I can't imagine what it was like 25 years ago when the NFL and Fox first started and they're like just getting the faxes and just getting clips and just making phone calls. Like we're lucky in that sense that we have access as broadcasters to all this information. So I want to Google Tom Brady and see, all right, what are the most relevant things that have popped up this week? And then I'll go to ESPN. I'll go to the athletic, you know, I'm keyed in on Jenna Lane's Twitter account all week long, obviously this week. Uh, like I want to get what's relevant first to get into the treetops of it. And then I'll go to the sources that I know I'm comfortable with in terms of curating and finalizing the way I have all the info in front of me. I probably start as soon as I wake up. I just do the Twitter read real quick. Uh, maybe even more, probably more than the word real quick. Probably, probably like a good, like five minutes of just, is just it, trying to see is it when I'm sleeping. the lists you've curated or is it your main timeline? It's just my main timeline. I'll just go through real quick, kind of get a sense. Um, and I'm, I follow so many NFL people, so I can usually figure out quickly, like, all right, this is the story that's cooking right now, or this is what everyone's talking about. Um, I will say Tuesday morning, I'm sorry, Monday morning was overwhelming because they're just, I wasn't, it's like 
my muscles weren't ready for that again of all the <laughs> consumption yeah. of info. Uh, but yeah, and I obviously go right to Adam, make sure I didn't miss a big story. Yeah, 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 yes, Adam Schechter. Um, and then, you know, then I'll just try every website that uh, of teams that I cover a lot, right? So I cover the scene slots. So I go to their, the local papers down there. I have found team websites have been, they have improved so much from the days when the team website was like a joke and it was just like a big space of PR. They're really creative and they're telling really good stories. I, I hit those up a lot. Um, and then of course I have to go on Instagram to just make myself feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you go on Instagram, put on a couple of filters, make sure oh. everyone knows like the shows you're going to be on the day. Very important. The self aspect of the job. I mean, we really undersell it. Uh, this is awesome, guys. I just, I love picking people's brains. I'm, I'm going to walk away even more stressed though, because I'm going to try to add every resource that everyone I talk to goes to. And my morning's going to start out earlier and earlier. Well, first I have to get through the 15 websites I've booked, <laughs> And then I have to call a bunch of coaches I don't have phone numbers for. Make a spotting board. Um, no, this was, uh, this was super fun. You guys are badasses. And I, I hope everybody listening understands how much work goes into uh, being good at this job. And that's how you guys are good at it. And then I just uh, wait till you guys do stuff. And then I gas bag about it. I have the best job. You guys put in a bunch of work, you break some news, and then I give an opinion on it. I could not do what you do. I could not. No. I, I thought about no. it. I, I couldn't do what Adam does. You I couldn't could. do what you do. You no, I, no, I can't. I've tried it. I, 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 I believe all of you have the skill set. Like, we all have a skill set to do each other's jobs. But... I think the way we're wired, I think yeah. Diana said something very key, like she, like her, or her dad said it, like you're kind of wired for this and whatever has yeah. shaped you. And again, I'm with Di too. Like, I don't know if this is how I'm going to feel in 10 years doing this. I don't know. But I know right now Di's made for this. She's yeah. made for that job. I know I'm wired to do this job and then purge all of this information out. <laughs> so I don't have to deal with it yeah. anymore. And yeah. I think that, I think we found good sweet spots and that's, that makes me happy. Yeah, I like to give everyone my opinion on everything. So it's good for me to be a sweet spot. But, sweet spot. But I also feel bad. Well. I feel bad breaking news if it hurts someone's feelings or makes their life more difficult. So I would not be good at like, <laughs> you know, tracking down someone's PED story. Like I would just feel so awful. Even if they did it, I would just feel so bad about it. Sure. I, so yeah, I think, yeah, we all, we all found our sweet spot. You guys are the best. Uh, You're awesome. Watching you kick ass the next uh, however many weeks we get football, hopefully all of it. Sounds good. This week marks the sixth annual KPMG Women's PGA Championship at Aronimink Golf Club in Newton Square, Pennsylvania. As the first ever partnership between the LPGA Tour, the PGA of America, and KPMG, the KPMG Women's PGA Championship brings together the best LPGA players from around the world to compete for one of the most coveted major championships in golf. Competing on championship-caliber courses, the KPMG Women's PGA Championship has elevated the women's game to new heights and puts the LPGA players in the national spotlight. And the KPMG Women's Leadership Summit, held the week of the championship, invests in rising women's leaders, aspiring to reach the C-suite by providing thoughtful content, tools, and networking opportunities. Together, they serve as catalysts to empower women both on and off the golf course. KPMG, continuing its commitment to the next generation of women leaders and proud sponsor of the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. To learn more, visit kpmg.com slash women's leadership, kpmg.com slash women's leadership. It's time once again for South Bitch Sessions, where I rant about something that bothers me and I fix it. This week, anxiety. 
Man, if I didn't already know how lucky I am to be blessed with good mental health, this past week really reminded me because uh, there are people struggling with economic losses and kids being at home all day, virtual schooling, sickness, uh, so many other serious issues. I've just been trying not to get overwhelmed by sports. Yeah, this thing that we went without for months and now we have too damn much of all at once because I can't watch it all. I can't read about it all. I can't keep up the way I would like to, to be good at my job, like all those brilliant folks you just heard from on this pod. One day if I snap, it's probably going to be about this because I'm missing playoff game-winning NBA shots while trying to watch Tom Brady's first win, while keeping up with a postponed WNBA game because of COVID concerns, while seeing out of the quarter of my eye that there's a major golf tournament win, a season-ending ACL tear, a coach on the hot seat, an NWSL game, the potential for postponed college football season to actually be played, all while trying to get outside as much as I can before it's cold and we go back on lockdown and I don't get to leave my house for months. And the worst part is I am fully aware that this is a nothing of a problem compared to what other people are dealing with. And I can always take this stuff in stride. So I'm not sure why right now at this moment I am getting so overwhelmed and so anxious trying to keep up. So I I just can only imagine what others are struggling with. And so with that in mind, you know, take care of yourselves and ask for help. Sometimes just vocalizing and putting out there that you're worried or scared or anxious can help more than you imagine. So speak up and connect with fellow humans, even if it's just on a phone or a Zoom chat. It'll really help, and people will want to be there for you if they can, I promise. All right, I feel good about what we accomplished today. The sport apocalypse must end. I need a break. What a sad problem to have. There, I fixed it. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to That's What She Said with Sarah Spain. If you got a dilemma for the commission to fix, tweet it to me at Sarah Spain. Maybe I'll fix it in the next podcast and absolutely going to fix it in that live podcast coming up on October 1st. Keep an eye out for the details on that. Well, that's what she said. <laughs>